This is the deep time, when dark and cold have their way, when earth turns toward the longest night and nature seems to warn, hunker down, hold fast, sleep tight. But deep calls to deep, and the darkness itself beckons. Now is the time. Go long, go far, go on. To awaken is to go deeper, to follow the truth where it leads, to let go of the surface long enough to live toward the limits, to leave the shallows and risk immersion, to push back the perimeter of darkness in the sacred name of light. Out of the depths we cry, O Lord, from the depths of us to the deep of you. It is Advent. Hear our prayer. This morning, we lit the Advent candle of hope. There are three more feel-good candles coming, spanning the weeks of the season, peace, joy, and love. If we stay at the level of their familiar comfort, we'll follow the light from those four familiar little flames as they light the way to another familiar Christmas. And we need a little Christmas right this very minute, as the song from Mame correctly states. But if we miss the opportunity to go deep that this demanding season offers, then my worry is that a little Christmas is what we'll get. If, on the other hand, we go looking for the light of the hope that lies beneath and within all our hopes, the hope that Jesus urges us to awaken to, to prepare for, to be changed by, if we go looking for that light of hope, then the search may take us toward a new heaven and a new earth. This is the promise of the prophet Isaiah to whom we've been listening for these last weeks. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills, and all nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the house of God, that God may touch, teach us God's own ways, that we may walk in God's own paths. God shall judge between the nations. God shall arbitrate for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Neither shall nation lift up sword against nation, nor learn war any more. O oh, house of Jacob, come, let us walk in that light of God. That promise that leads the way toward the mountain of the house of God via the high road at last, which all the nations shall take to the place, Isaiah says, where they shall finally beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. But how on earth 
do we get there from where we are? In Advent, we practice believing that something new is beginning, even though we cannot know when it will finish coming. The texts for the first Sunday of Advent every year are always rigorous. To me, they always feel like a brisk scouring of the Spirit, and I dread in some ways bringing them into the pulpit. And this year, the deep season falls in the midst of deep times, doesn't it? Times that require the telling of the kinds of deep truths that quickly set off a rumble of sobriety. My friend Ted Wardlaw, the just-retired president of Austin Presbyterian Seminary, writes that not so very many years ago, the task of Advent would have been to invite people to consider living with a sense of temporal urgency, something that we mainstreamers don't think about very often, as placid and calm as our lives generally are. But Ted says, and I think he's right, that one measure of how much this world has turned between a short time ago and this time right now is that most of us now don't have too much trouble summoning a sense of temporal urgency. We know now, if we didn't before, that the circumstances that we face are indeed urgent and that the time we've got to engage them is not infinite. The United Nations is calibrating the almost weekly narrowing of our opportunity to salvage the climate of this planet. And voices of white supremacy and anti-Semitism are enjoying amplified influence in our society at certain other tables. And the gap between the unimaginable wealth of a few and the poverty of unimaginably many is widening palpably, tangibly, in real time. And the ethical guardrails that used to guide our civic life are being corroded by acrimony day by day. As the world turns toward the long night of the season, the depths from which we cry out this Advent are as deep as most of us can remember them ever being. So if the first candle of Advent is the candle of hope. That must be because the first truth of Advent that needs telling is that despair is real and deep and craves an antidote. The deep of Advent is a time to acknowledge that the powers seem to be fighting the new thing that God is doing with everything they've got. Advent is our talisman, our shield and buckler, the spiritual practice by which we would push back the edge of the cold shadow. If, as my friend Ted writes, for most of our lifetimes we've had the luxury of keeping urgency at arm's length, well, it seems we've finally outlived that luxury, urgency is before us this Advent. This is the deep time when dark and cold have their way and the turning of the earth seems to warn, hunker down, 
hold fast, sleep tight. But deep calls to deep, and the darkness itself beckons. Now is the time. Go long, go far, go on. The word that meets us today at the edge of the season plunges us quickly into a sense that the stakes are high and the winds of change are picking up. They immediately stand that old oversimplification about the Old Testament and the New Testament on its head. The Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament, is supposed to be where the harshness of God is to be found, while in the New Testament, God is gentle and forgiving. We all learned that at some point. But here, here is the prophet Isaiah, the one who envisions nations walking peacefully together in the light of God, while, on the other hand, Jesus promises that the day of God will come without warning, like Noah's flood or like a thief breaking and entering. About that day and hour, no one knows, Jesus says. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father, Jesus says. Not even the Son of Man knows. Not even Jesus himself knows. Off balance, on guard. Keep awake, therefore, Jesus says, for you do not know on what day the Holy One will come. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Holy One is coming at an unexpected hour. To awaken is to go deeper, to follow the truth where it leads, to let go of the surface long enough to live toward the limits, to leave the shallows and risk immersion, to push back the perimeter of darkness in the sacred name of light we should think a little bit about what it might mean now to keep awake. Awakening means going deeper. Awakening means paying attention to what might be in a world that's trying so hard to lull us to sleep in the midst of how it is, how it just is. Awakening means telling the truth and following the truth where it leads. And these times give us deep truths to tell. Wars and rumors of wars, upheaval. The truth that the highest value of our shared life is not being as well off as possible. The truth that falsehood corrodes the foundation on which our very life together rests. It does. It does. The truth, the dignity is something that every human being needs, deserves, craves. Awakening means watching for every opening that might let some light in. Every blow that might change the shape of a sword in the direction of a plowshare. The shape of a handgun into the shape of a handshake. Awakening 
means choosing to live on the edge of possibility, to live advantageously. Because though we're not expected to know the timing of how it will all happen or understand how the struggle will play out, we are expected to do something. We are expected to be ready, to live as though any moment could bring an opportunity for a breakthrough and to be playing on the right team when that time comes. And we don't have to do what we do alone. Facing into the deep, we've got each other's strength, each other's courage, each other's company. Awakening means being ready to answer together in any moment when deep calls to deep. Deep despair may seem too dire a way to describe the clarity to which the coming of this Advent summons us especially after a holiday that surrounded most of us with familiar warmth and blessing. We may not feel that we need a candle of hope to burn quite that brightly, but its light needs to go deep because what it's up against is real, I need hardly tell you. And because we know with increasing urgency that things can't stay the way they are, the planet isn't going to just stop warming. Housing and health care are not just going to get less expensive. Anger is not going to simply evaporate into a better civic mood. Materialism is not simply going to deconstruct itself just because we'd like things better that way. Deep hope doesn't erase despair. It looks it in the eye. If you saw that film about Mr. Rogers that came out a couple years ago, you know exactly what I mean. He named the hard things. He always did hard things in a real little person's life. Divorce, anger, hospitals, death named those things and then, and if you saw the film, you'll never forget this, just look them in the eye across the table with more fierce gentleness than you ever thought a minute of silence could ever hold. That gaze, that kind of awareness shines a light on those things that at first seems no bigger than the little flame of the hope candle at first. Jesus was surrounded by urgencies in the world in which he lived. You can hear them in the turmoil, the chaos, the worry of those verses from the end of Matthew. Volatile governments that took corruption for granted and squandered their resources on ill-conceived wars, while in the meantime seeing the poor as a nuisance, an obstacle, or a means to an end all of which made daily life a test of endurance for most people. All those words of Jesus about watching for endings sound ominous, don't they, to us in our comfort. But to those for whom suffering and oppression are as daily bread, the prospect of an end is hopeful. 
And it's that kind of end to those kinds of things that Jesus bids us lean. So when Jesus began his sober conversation with the disciples to urge them to wake up to the signs of deep calling to deep, he referred, Jesus did, to those signs as, of all things, birth pangs. They wanted to know when. Jesus said, stay awake. And maybe, as the Sikh activist Valerie Kaur says, maybe the darkness of this season in the world's life is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb. Maybe there is birthing in progress even now. If so, says Valerie Kaur, then the thing to do, of course, is breathe through it, which I think is Jesus' advice in those sober verses that Laura read for us. Breathe through it. And maybe the voice that's whispering in our ear in Advent, that voice saying, you are brave. You can do this. You can. Maybe that's the voice of Jesus. Maybe as we breathe through it, we should then expect that soon will come the next instruction in that process. Push. Push. Maybe something is being born. For this is the deep time. And the darkness itself beckons. Now is the time. Go long. Go far. Go on. To awaken is to go deeper, to follow the truth where it leads, to turn from the shallows and risk immersion, to push back the perimeter of darkness in the sacred name of light. Deep is even now calling unto deep. Maybe something is being born. O Lord, We hear your prayer. It's Advent. Amen.